And uh, now like we're, a, did you now like we're recording. I think I made it up. Do I like attention. what? My word. Attention sphere. I don't know. Maybe it's a, maybe I, heard uh, I didn't hear you say it, but we're recording attention the program sphere. now. I like it. I'm going to write it down. All right. Uh, that's Dan Duran. Oh, Fred's sorry. here, of course. Carry on without me. Then. All right. No, no, you're fine. I just was letting you know we're recording. And any weird shit that you say was going to be recorded. Oh, okay. I thought you were a... <laughs> so stop saying the weird shit. Stop saying weird shit now. now. Um, hey, Fred. Yeah, man. I was trying to figure out a way to start the show. You know, I know you and I spent about 10 minutes just before we started recording going over what we were going to eat tonight. Uh, Fred yes. and I. Fred and I and Delise and Rachel uh, were having what well, I think we originally were going to do this to celebrate our 10th anniversary. We started talking about it last fall and we never got around to doing it. And finally, we're doing it tonight, which is taking uh, our partners. Well, your wife, my girlfriend mm-hmm. for dinner. Yes. A lovely and, dinner. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So where are you going to go? Uh, we're going to this place in Georgetown. Should we say the name of it? Well, I don't think there's going to be crowds of people with cameras. Oh, yeah, there will. I don't <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The paparazzi. We want to keep the, yeah, paparazzi, the paparazzi away from yeah. the Glen Tavern. <laughs> I only hesitated because I'm like, I don't want to tell anyone in case all the paparazzi comes over and mm-hmm. disturbs our dinner like it, you know, it happened. <laughs> okay. Right. Okay. Well, you don't have to say the name of the restaurant. What kind of, no, what I just kind of did. I just it? said it, the name of the restaurant. A favorite of yours? Or? No, I just said the name of it. It's called the Glen Tavern. Yeah. Um, I've never. Oh, it's very nice. Uh, well, I've never been to it, actually, and uh, I've wanted to. Uh, it's actually Glen Williams. And there's uh, another little restaurant there called the Copper Kettle. Which, which we've all been yeah, to, yeah. We've all been to. A lovely little place in Glen Williams. And this is just down the hill a bit. It's more of a formal restaurant. I haven't been there. Howard, you have been there before? Uh, I've been there a couple times. I've been there with the Lumbies. Mm-hmm. And I was there one other time before with a buddy of mine who lives kind of close to that. For people in Toronto, it's the same family, I think, that owns a fancy restaurant called Scaramouche, or it was associated with the, the chefs from there or something. But, you know, it's fine dining. And, you know, I, I was actually going to bring it up if you hadn't, because the last time the four of us went for dinner is when you had the $200 lobster risotto. Yeah. Crazy. That still burns me up. Oh, I know it does. You, you didn't know going in that it was going to cost that? No, it said market price. <laughs> oh, you know, we go to this place. Yeah. We go to this place on uh, uh, on Bay Street. I forget the name of it. Do you remember the name? No, of it? sir. Anyway. No. And he said, you know, and I like risotto, and it was lobster risotto, and I thought, okay, lobster uh, risotto, it's not like big hunks of lobster, market price, how expensive could it be? So I didn't ask her, because it was a Uh, special. It was a special for the night. Right. And, you know, you get those restaurants where specials, for some reason, they don't tell you the price when it gets to be a certain level or something, whatever, however that works. Yeah. And we got the bill, and it was just crazy. My eyes rolled back in my head. I thought, there's got to be a mistake here. And then I go down to the lobster risotto, and it was $225. It was for two. Wasn't it, Howard? Yes, it was. Yeah. Uh, just totally ridiculous. Uh, so there's nothing, and I mentioned the name of the restaurant, Dan. It's called the Glen Tavern, and there's nothing there 
that approaches that. No. But, um, and Fred said something to me, which I thought was interesting, because we were looking over, you know, I were literally going over the menu and we're talking about, because he loves lamb, and was I going to have the steak, and we were trying to predict what Rachel would have, and I said, I might just end up having the tavern burger, and he said, well, you'd go all that way for a burger? And what I wanted to say is, I'm going all that way to see you and your beautiful wife. I don't really care what I eat that much. Oh, no, I bet you could do that at a place where you could have something other than a burger. That's all. That That's sort of where I'm coming from. I, I mean, it goes without saying I appreciate the <laughs> no. reunion. <laughs> yes. But I, I've just, you know, you guys had sort of recommended this place, and I like the idea because we hadn't been there before, and it just seems odd that, that you would... Uh, you know, like when I scroll through this thing, there's another thing, right? Ever since, you know, these this website thing has been around, whenever I go to a restaurant, like most people, I look at the menu before I go, which sort of takes out the enjoyment of getting a menu when you arrive no. for the first time. But I like to prepare. <laughs> I know you do. You know, what's happened through COVID that I don't like, uh, amongst all the other things, is when you go to a restaurant, they often now will just have a QR code. Mm-hmm. That has the menu on it. I like to hold yes. the menu. Yes. I want to hold it. Yeah. I want to see it. I want to physically. But, you know, not everyone has a menu anymore. No, yeah, I know. Although sometimes when you get a menu and there's like stuff on it, it's like, what the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> like, is that, yeah. is that pea soup or a boogie? <laughs> That's right. Is that tomato sauce or does somebody bleed? Does somebody bled on this menu? Um, this is an but, interesting but, place because it's not fancy. Like, it's not fancy dress, but it is sort of, you know, elevated cuisine. What were you going to say? So it's, no, and then I... Yeah, I mean, it's fun to get to a place and look at the menu and decide what you're going to have. But I, 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 it doesn't matter what the restaurant is now. I go to the menu first. And so I pretty much know what I'm going to have um, based on what I've seen, if this is the current menu. And uh, again, that's why I was surprised already you may have chosen the burger. I'm either you know, burger the, or lamb. Yeah. The menu is limited. It's one of those places, which is fine, too, because yeah. sometimes there's too many choices. What were we going to say, so Danny? The, the big surprise is going to be whatever the specials are of the day right. on the chalkboard, right? So that's yeah. going to be the... You know, Dan and I went out for uh, breakfast a couple weekends ago with Rachel at the place around the corner from our old office called Eggalicious. And uh, you want to talk about a menu with too many choices. That menu was five or six pages long. I, yeah. I I actually think sometimes with restaurants that have so many items, are they all there? <clears throat> like, is everything <laughs> there if I order it? I don't think it or is. Or they have all these stuff, and there's just a little variance between each one. So they have this main th- uh, pot that they slop into, and then they just went around it, changes <laughs> its name on the menu. <laughs> That's right. But, no, and I agree. And we're I not find- saying, by the way, we're not saying Eggalicious does that, because they do nice eggs over there. Right, but you're sometimes it can be aggravating when you get the menu. It's like, well, here I'm going to choose something now and feel like I missed something better because I didn't have an hour to read this goddamn menu. But anyway, now here's uh, what have, I know: I, I know whatever Rachel orders will be the thing that I wish I would have ordered. Hmm. It's universal. Every time we go out for dinner, uh, I'm not sure what I'm going to have. I am going. All right, I, I I don't have any. I go. Okay, just give me that. And then she orders something that she investigates. She asks questions about. And then when it comes, I'm like, I should have had that. 
Should I have that? Dan, go ahead. When was the last time you guys uh, actually saw each other in person? Uh, Not long ago. A couple months? Um, Yeah. yeah, I think you either... Either, yeah, you dropped in and I had to give you something. Mm-hmm. But not often. Yeah, we don't. Uh, this would be one of the first, you know, first times we, I'll say this, this will be the first time we've eaten together. Mm-hmm. As as uh, Have you and I? No, you and I ate together. We had a meeting with our uh, our old boss, uh, our old uh, colleague, uh, Bill Hertz. That was probably the last time we've been in a restaurant together. That was like five months ago. Yes, however, that is true. That is true. Um, mm-hmm. Dan, when's the last time you saw Fred in person? Mm. I was just thinking about that. I mean, it was probably about four or five months ago. It's in the, it's in what? the fall somewhere, wasn't it? would be in the fall. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen Dan. Listen, I haven't seen my buddy Darren since November. I haven't seen his wife, <laughs> you, Lori. You okay there, a, Burpee? <laughs> Lori, who's a big fan of the show. Who, uh, yeah. I haven't seen her since probably the end of last summer. I know it's crazy. Speaking of uh, of Darren, he often does that. He'll order something different than me, and then wish that he had ordered what I ordered. <laughs> yeah. But see, I my mind never tends to go there, look at the other plate, and think I should have ordered that for whatever reason. Uh but he often does that. Yeah, I should have got that. What's that like? Uh, I should have got that. I should have got that. Do you think I made the right choice? Do you think I made the right choice? You've heard it. <laughs> of course. <laughs> the, the other thing, here's the thing that's a mystery for me tonight is I'm not sure what I'm going to be wearing because yeah, I won't be able to make that decision until Rachel gets here and approves of my wardrobe choice because I was thinking about that because, again, it's not a very fancy restaurant. It's not like that place on Bay Street where we, were, we went to that restaurant prior to a show we were going to. This is how long ago it was. That's when people did those things. Oh, so this is in a white tablecloth kind of place. No, you know what? Um, it, it is pretty casual. Like I said, I've been there with the Lumbees for dinner, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's pretty, you know, I don't know if we're wearing hoodies, but uh, I don't think you need oh, to get no, too dressed no. up. I mean, what are you going to wear? Some some Kirkland? Wear some, nice, <laughs> wear some nice slacks and a button down shirt. <laughs> I was going to say, some Kirkland. No, do, you'll be doer. You'll be wearing your doer slacks. Oh, I might wear a pair of my doer trousers, yes. Howard. Nice. And a button-down shirt? Okay. And a button-down shirt. Mm-hmm. And uh, your dre- dress clogs? <laughs> what? No. Is, is dress Crocs? <laughs> Crocs, right, yeah. yeah Crocs, right. Crocs, same thing. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, back to the menu. Um, I see the appetizer here, calamari, but it has to be grilled calamari. I don't like my calamari with anything on it, any dust or, or batter or shit. And it doesn't say specifically whether it's grilled. Maybe maybe you can make that request. So that's something that I'll be thinking about all day. Maybe okay. you can phone, a, yeah. phone ahead. Phone ahead. <laughs> he's already... By the way, this is the second time in 15 minutes he said that to me. Every time the man says calamari, I know the next part of the sentence right. is, I don't like it. It's going to be grilled. I know. We know. No, it's got to be no grilled. There's no reason to have calamari unless it's just grilled plain. I agree. lemon. I don't even like the dusted whatever those things are. I don't like... Yeah. They're good for like two or three, and then they just become... I like grilled calamari. I just haven't made it my life's work like you have. They have pan-seared uh, day-boat scallops, too, which... Mm, scallops are nice, but I would... I'm gonna, I, I'd lean into the calamari if it's not dusted. Yes. Here's how you know it's a fancy restaurant, though. Because un- under the, sal- the scallops, they say celery root puree. 
I'm like, okay, <laughs> we're not going to McDonald's. How, um, hey, well, by the way, well, with a bacon butter sauce, that's mm. got to be good. How about this, too? The lamb is roasted rack. Okay, I love a rack of lamb. <laughs> Salsa verde crust. Yeah. I think I know what that is. Yeah. Uh, what's pepperade? I don't know. Grilled no artichokes? I don't all, know. all I know is that we've reached a point now in our development where you, you know we don't have a consultant because we've just done 12 minutes on the menu. <laughs> <laughs> However, it's, I haven't started the show. I haven't even started the show yet. We're just Dan's just sitting here going, you know, I have things to do. <laughs> Let me just say though, that it comes with black olives too, which I love. But here's the one that has drawn me in: whipped chickpeas. Yeah, that sounds yeah. good. I, I've never had. I've, I've never had whipped. So, how do you Wait, feel isn't about? That just, isn't that hummus? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. It is. <laughs> Yes. It's just hummus. <laughs> but no, if it was hummus, it would say hummus. No, but whipped no, chickpeas no. are just hummus. They just, they. But here's how do you feel about this? Are you the kind of person that if you order lamb, are you okay if others do? Like, I might order the lamb. Because right now I'm lamb burger or even the steak. Although I'm not a, I don't like having steak in restaurants anymore. But um, Neither do I. But I, so are you going to be okay if I have the lamb too? What kind of a question? Why? Well, would because I care sometimes what you mean? people, because sometimes you like to have a variety at the table so that you have the lamb and then you get to taste my gnocchi. <laughs> Dan has the duck. No. We get to try his duck. I will say tonight I'll have the rack of lamb, medium rare, lean on the rare, is what I'll say. Okay. Mm. And, and will you say uh, easy on the whipped chickpea? No. No. Uh, Dan. Yes. <laughs> As our, uh, I can just imagine through so this entire show, you'll be little moments. Oh no, there will be. Yeah. Back to the memory. <laughs> it's like halfway through the show, something about you know the fries. He might well, say, halfway say through the show is, anymore. He might say, uh, "Hey, the halibut looks good." What's that? You said earlier before the show, and we should share this with the listeners. So uh, you said <laughs> oh, yeah. you might have the the Parmesan uh, and thyme fritz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I said that sounds interesting. Well, no, because that's why I, if I have the burger, which I would right. easily have right. easily, I would because it's a beautiful burger, brioche bun, double smoked bacon, bacon, bacon and uh, green goddess alioli or alioli. But it comes you can get it with Parmesan and thyme fries. And I'm like, I'd, I'd have that. Why do I? Why do I care? Maybe I'll have that and the sauteed mixed mushrooms. Oh, yeah. Why would they be that price? Mushrooms, like what are... Anyway. Market price. Well, that's and, the thing. And, you know, all restaurants have recently have had to adjust their prices yeah. because of the supply chain problem. So you have to sort of roll with that. And by like the way, at, this is a 20%. This is an 18, 20% tip. So every price you look at... What? No, it's not. It's a 15% tip. It's a 15. It's an 18 to 20 or... It's a 15. We'll see. Okay. But whatever, you just put that on top of everything you're looking at. So you're now you're looking at your lamb at $47 for an entree. We'll add 15 or 20 points on that. So now you're having a $54 entree. I'm just trying to be fiscally, you know, responsible. I'm the burger. There's another thing. Why would you go all that way? Why would you go out and then worry about 10 or 15 bucks here or there? Just for fun. So here's the thing. So if you get the burger for like 25 bucks or whatever it is, and then get the... The fries. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's 35. Whatever that is. Yeah, 35. Right, but you're going to have an appetizer. Okay. You know, even I'm getting tired of this. Um, well, wait a minute. You're going to have an appetizer. Don't be ridiculous. Okay. Maybe you should have the scallops, and then I would have the calamari, and we could split those. So anyway, what I'm saying is, <laughs> if you get a burger for 20-some-odd, and I get a lamb I know, you get the lamb. It's almost the, the same price. I know. You know, how, you know how quickly you piss through 20 bucks? Like, what's the difference? All right. Um, well, listen. <laughs> All right. All right. We've spent a lot of time on the menu. We, we, what about are, the dessert We've gone now? through what we're going to wear. Should we talk about when I'm going to leave? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dan, please. You might not show up. (laughs) (laughs) Please, Dan, start the show for God's sake. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from Humble and Fred Studios in Brampton, Toronto, and the western shores of Shemong Lake. And is brought to you by Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, Health Gauge, and GoDaddy. And now, here are two men who can't spell either version of diarrhea, but know the verbal version very well. It's Humble and Fred. That's that's for sure. Uh, Dan Duran's news later on is going to feature a story about a woman that uh, I don't I don't know any of the details except that uh, apparently it's a fart story uh, a woman couldn't hold her farts or something okay is that part yes, of it that's one of the stories that's yep. one of our stories uh, Darren Drager joins us um, I've been saving this before you go Dan uh, this has been on my uh, tabs for the entire week, and I, I realized I kept it because I wanted to talk it over with Gabe here. Um, you know, because Dan has a unique password protocol, and I won't yes, I, do, I yeah. won't reveal it. But I uh, I thought of this when I saw the story from something called Hive Systems. Now, obviously, this would have been a a great thing to bring up when Barb Paluskiewicz was part of our program, who was with uh, CDN Technologies, all about, you know, keeping your, your world hack-free. But this is an interesting chart. The time it takes a hacker to uh, brute force your password. I'm not sure what that means. I just think it's another word for hacking. Oh, I think, no, I think that uh, what that means is that it, instead of, like, taking guesses at what oh, I see. based on your whatever, it's just, like, you know, starting at the beginning and, you know, pushing through all of the uh, the possibles. Okay. Well, I found this fascinating. So, it's a basically a chart, Fred. If you, um, so numbers only, lowercase letters, uppercase, and so on. So, basically, any number password, Dan, from four characters to 11 they can hack it instantly and then it goes through all the ways that how quickly they can hack a password based on so if you add numbers in lowercase they can hack it in eight seconds upper and lowercase letters uh and so on and so forth but I, I was fascinated by how quickly new if once you start adding characters and little different like you know uh, special characters etc it starts taking days years and and forever but just numbers only they can hack from uh, four characters to eleven instantly so wow. if your passwords only contain numbers they're very vulnerable. I've never had a password that's only numbers of you. 
Early on, I did, yes. Yeah. Well, early, yeah, early, early, early. Well, and some people, like when you're, like maybe when you first get your internet, they'll give you one maybe that's just numbers and it's up to you to go in and choose yeah, your own, yeah. right? Uh, I mean, maybe I, a lot of people don't get around to that <laughs> or something. And that's the joke, you know, you, you can make fun of, so you can say, oh, I bet you that person's passwords are one, two, three, four, five, six. Um, but yeah, I, I, but early on, I think we all just had numbers. And I'm sure there are some people that just to continue to just have numbers, but even a little bit, even numbers and some lowercase letters, they can up to eight um, of that combo. They get they they can hack your passwords instantly. Now Dan has an interesting system which he has described to me um, under medication several times, and I still <laughs> I still am right. not sure. Well, it's letters which are uh, mixed case letters, and they represent a phrase. And then there's other, uh, then I throw in a couple of numbers and then an unusual, you know, one of the keyboard, uh, you know, the asterisks or, you know, whatever the, what are those uh, other? Yeah, special characters. Special characters. Yeah, I throw that all in. But, you know, what, the, the, what I've done, I think everybody should do is if you've got, especially financial is uh, there's, if you have it available, uh, take advantage of the two-factor authentication. Mm-hmm. So, like, when you sign into your bank on your laptop, then it sends a message to your uh, your phone, and then you have to authorize it on the phone or yes. a special number, right? Factor? I didn't even kiss her. <laughs> you factor? <laughs> you brought her? <laughs> hey, um, is that is that so it's easy to remember, Dan? Because I have adopted a system, too. I got so tired of so many uh, passwords that one day I decided, ah, I know what I'm going to do, so mm-hmm. I know whatever the product is, I know what the password's going to be. Um and that's what I've yeah, done, just I do from a thing. memory I change it. I change it uh, yeah, I change it for every single uh, every single website or whatever the password is, and oh, yeah. it's based on on uh, something to do with the company. Yeah, yeah, same here. That's what I yeah. do. So, uh, yeah. Although my financial ones, I have a long, long one that uh, I have memorized. You'll have oh, you. Um, here's interesting. Uh, just a, a, a story that I so I had that password story. Then I saw a story this morning. There's something called the Fast Identity Online Alliance, in association with Apple and some other companies, are going to basically create a system where when you sign into your computer in the future, when you turn your computer on, and you know either enter the password for your laptop or whatever system you're using or your, you know, f- uh, touch identification, that will then uh, sign you into all your passwords. Right. There's, well, there's a lot of, there's, there's that around right now. You can get, Oh, no, it's uh, been around, but, yeah, but, but yeah. they've developed, but, but what they're saying is they've developed this system that basically users log into their online accounts, whatever they are, just by unlocking your smartphone or computer. So oh. basically, your device is the password. Mm. I'm always worried about a centralized password, though. That's what, well, I guess I have to investigate it. I'm always worried that, like, okay, if, if it all boils down to one password in the end, then that's the number that you, that's the password you want to hack somehow. But maybe it's uh, I guess. Uh, DNA or something. Part of this study says, uh, 2019 study found that 78 P, uh, 78% of respondents had forgotten a password in the past 90 days and had to reset oh. it. Oh, yeah. Constantly. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I had this idea, I think I've said, I've shared it with you before, this, 
you know, all these baby boomers like us, as we age, there's just going to be a bunch of us sitting around nursing homes trying to remember our fucking passwords. Yeah. <laughs> you know. No, so, I what? get it. Charlie, what? Well, this is why I, I uh, did a system uh, closer to Dan's now. Or, yeah. uh, sort of like Dan, just... So that product, okay, I know what it is now because boom, boom, boom. boom. So, the, so your passwords have something to do with the place okay. that you're using a password for, mm-hmm. and then a series of numbers, yeah. and then other characters that are consistent. So at least that way you've got a, a separate number for every different thing that you sign into. So if somebody does crack one password, they haven't got access to everything unless they no, know No, because system. they wouldn't have the name of the company yeah. necessarily <clears throat> or how you refer to it. Yeah, exactly. Right? Or that you're even so doing So if it's that. Canadian Tire, believe me, it's not Canadian Tire. It's a disparaging term that I use. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what? I, I was so you wait 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 wait. So your Canadian Tire password is no one knows shit at. <laughs> what, no, no, no one can shit. find. No one can find anything at. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dan. You were at Can Tire oh, yesterday. Just a, a sidebar. I was at Canadian Tire yesterday. I pulled one. I pulled a Fred, and I couldn't find anybody. I had two things I wanted to. Uh, I had my hand that I needed help with, and there was nobody there. And I looked and looked and looked. I seriously looked, and then I just started out saying. Uh, uh, help required on aisle 55. And then I said it five times. Yeah. People around me laughed, but there was yeah. nobody that, that. And finally, somebody came up and she was a little bit pissed. You know, I, I heard you the first time, but mm. I was dealing with another customer. Well, yeah. I'm not mad at you. I just, you know, want some service here. Oh. It, so she called somebody and, and I started to walk out about six minutes later. I said, oh. I can't wait anymore. And then Don't I ended up talking to the manager. Don't you love it when the help starts giving you shit? That's what yeah. I. <laughs> It's like, yeah. like that's happened to me in Canadian Tire. All of a sudden, I'm being chastised by this, uh, you know, twenty-something who's annoyed that I need help. It's bizarre. Yeah. There was a Canadian star- Tire story last week. They're spending something like three billion dollars on. Re- I don't know how they're going to spend three billion dollars, but basically on their service. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, yeah, I just thought they could save a lot of money by just hiring people that knew where shit was. Or just say, um, hey, just, but you know, have a little <laughs> course. One thing, uh, the new Canadian Tire commercials are rather, I, it, uh, they're pretty good. It's, uh, they've taken the uh, Tragically Hips, Ahead by a Century, and kids sing it. And that's the new Canadian Tire commercial. And it's, um, it's rather heartwarming, I'd say. It is. I'll give them that. Okay, well. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, let me see if I can find it quickly before we let Dan go tragically. By the way, Darren Drager is our uh, main guest today. He's our Gig Sky guest of the day as a hip fan. Uh, here on Reddit, the first thing I see is, as a hip fan, this Canadian tire ad rubs me the wrong way. Oh, why? I don't know. I haven't seen it. Uh, here's just the, be nice. Is it, is it here's to the next 100? Is that the... Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, I got to wait till the commercial plays. Mm. Well, Canadian Tire oh, no, they is. have had some good, uh, you know, uh, heart pulling, heart string pulling kind of ads in the. Past. Sure. Okay. Well, here it is. And a bunch of kids climbing a tree and such. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
Canadian Tire. <laughs> you know. Another, again, another great line. No dress rehearsal. This is your life. Yeah. Fuck. Um, That's a uh, wild, wild line. Well, I don't think it's as good as first thing we climb a tree, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dan Duran back uh, with the news in a little bit. Thanks, Dan. And this program is uh, brought to you by a bunch of fine folks. Of course, our uh, good friends at GoDaddy want you to know you can sign up right now. Uh, get your website going. We talked to Mark Saltzman a couple days ago. I thought that was an interesting conversation about the fact that the guy's the most techie guy we know and got GoDaddy to help him uh, set up his website. 20 million customers worldwide, 25 years of service, and 24-7 phone support. How about that for a combo? You can start your website right now. No credit card required. Visit GoDaddy.ca to learn more. That's GoDaddy.ca to get you and your business online. How's this for a combo? 30,000 Canadian businesses are part of it. They've been around for 40 years. That's the Chamber Plan. Go to ChamberPlan.ca, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. Yes, your small business can be part of this. Uh... You can get a free quote today. You just go to the site, chamberplan.ca. There's a badge there. It says, get a free quote. And uh, they'll come back at you with what it will cost to be part of this. And you'll be pleasantly surprised because, again, all these small businesses together uh, can get coverage that is very, very affordable. And Brett Tanner, our buddy, was on uh, a couple of weeks ago explaining how they've kept those premiums down. They've done a very, very good job at that. Uh, prescriptions and dental and a lot of the things you would expect from a, uh, you know, a benefits package are there, including the teledoc system, travel insurance, on and on and on. Take the time today, chamberplan.ca. I, I didn't understand that part of the story where Dan said he pulled a Fred. Did you yell? Do you yell at people in Canadian time? Yeah, I told that that. Years ago, at my Canadian Tire, back when they used to have the, you know, the the uh, PA systems on the poles. Oh, right, where you called for customer service. Okay. Yeah, I just grabbed it one day and I said, "Can somebody help me here?" And it, same thing. Everybody was laughing, but they were quite annoyed at Canadian mm-hmm. Tire, like that was private property, and I had no business touching the phone. But it was a fun moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the problem with Canadian Tire is when we were younger. It was a, mainly a tire store and some other stuff. So it, that whole the mythology of nobody knows where anything is in Canadian Tire, you know, where that came from, though, is... And I was in recently, too, somewhere in the last couple of months. There's just so many other things there now. There's so much other stuff there. It's almost like that's what's made it hard to find things is because there's so much variety. And and it's almost, I don't know what its story reminds me of now, but there's just a lot of stuff. You know, all they're missing is clothes. Yeah. And I think they've got some of those work clothes. Yeah, work clothes and shirts. But, you know, there's just I mean, I'm not excusing them, but I think they recognize that. I don't have the story in front of me, but that story about them spending money to uh, help with customer service. That comes from the the idea that a lot of Canadians perceive them as being terrible in customer service. Yeah. 
You know, magical memories for me as a kid. The Canadian Tire, the closest one at the time, was on O'Connor Drive. And I remember going there. Whenever my dad went there, I'd want to go with him because their bicycle accessory aisle just used to fascinate me. It was like a wonderland of stuff for your bike, like speedometers and you know, mm-hmm. horns. And it was, it was, man, I just... Whenever my birthday, I wanted to be able to go to that aisle and pick something out for my bike. It was great. I remember going in there and uh, thinking it was cool they had hockey equipment. Yeah. You know, I would go and try out sticks that I couldn't afford. Remember when Coho was like the cool stick to have? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, speaking of tires, I told you guys, I should have kept down on this. Uh, last week, I told you that I had a flat tire and I had changed the tire and I put my summers on and then I took it to somebody. I was going to take it to right. somebody. There's a guy in the, just a local guy, solo operator, no chain, just has this. It's just funny. It's like it's weird to come across somebody in this day and age that just has his own garage and is sort of a kind of like mm-hmm. across from where we used to work. Jake, yeah. Jake, you know, sort of a single operator. Anyway, mm-hmm. this guy, it took me, I don't want to, I'm, I'm embarrassed to tell you how long it took me to change my tire because I, I screwed up a couple times. I didn't jack it up enough. Then it came off the jack. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, but thankfully, I had the new tire on when it slipped. Oh, no. Sorry. I hadn't taken the old one off. I had just un, I'd, uh, loosened the lug nuts. But anyway, it took me a while, and I'm clumsy at it, but I finally got it on, put the new one on, got it off, put the new one on, drove over a few blocks from here. I just want to tell you, watching somebody who knows what they're doing do something, I don't care what it is. I was fascinated watching this guy. He had that tire off. He had this machine. He puts it on, you know, cranks it up, takes it off, found where it was, fixed it, put it back on. It was like watching an F1 hit crew and i said mm-hmm. to him i go that is amazing to me that you can do it that fast he just looked at me and goes i've been doing this for 25 years yeah I, and i'm gonna say yeah. something and you're gonna make fun of me but i don't care i, I okay. forgot i somehow forgot that tires didn't have tubes inside them <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what i thought was in there but I, you know how they're just the rubber, it, you know, it, it, what keeps the air in there is it the way it fits against the rim. Yeah. I know. Tubes. I know, I know. I don't know if I ever remember car tires having I tubes. I thought they did. I, I know they didn't. But maybe they did. Bicycle but I, and Bicycles do. I, no, maybe I didn't think they had tubes. I just was fascinated by the fact that the rim mm-hmm. is what holds the air in. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. Howard says, hey, not so fast, buddy. Yeah, Where's I didn't see you put the tube in there. <laughs> That's right. All right, bud. You're not going to get that one past you. Yeah, I know I'm dumb, but I'm not that dumb. Where's the tube? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't know what I thought. money, buddy? You don't put the tubes in with the tires? Is that it? Mm. You know how he found the uh, leak? It was really cool. He sprayed the tire yeah. with soapy water. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Is that how they do it? That's how he did it. I was like, wow, this guy really knows what he's doing. Changing the tire. Did you forget the concept? Loosen, lift, take off. I'm sorry. Put back on. Snug, drop. Yeah, I did all that. On that part I got. I loosened it. Then I lifted it. Then I took it off. Then I put it back on. Then I, I did all that. But the first time I went to... So what went wrong then? I just put the 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 jack in the wrong spot underneath the car 
and it didn't hold it <laughs> as I was jacking it up. Uh-huh. Well, I figured it out eventually. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you live alone. I mean, you talk oh, yeah. about falling. You oh, live yeah. alone. Christ, where's, where's Howard been the past four days? And there you are under your car. Yeah, my arm. Chew, have to, having to chew my arm off. <laughs> Uh, anyway, yes, I guess I thought they had tubes. Okay, I thought they did. Well, I was concerned because you said you had driven a bit with the the tire flat. You can really wreck a tire that way. Uh, strangely enough, it didn't wreck it at all, and mm. and uh, all it took was you know an expert finding the little leak, and he puts this thing in there, and then he shaves it off, and the next thing you know, the thing's done, and. Uh, Mm-hmm. You know, it was done. It was back on in seconds. Just incredible. Um, as I said, we're going to talk to Darren Drager. Uh, that's coming up here in a few minutes' time. Double D, D Regs. Do we have a nickname? Does he have, does he have a nickname? Dregsy? Dregs. Dregs. Dregs, okay. Yeah, Dregs. I think you'll be fascinated by how many people follow Dregs. He's much beloved as a yeah. hockey insider. He yes, really he is. is. Mm-hmm. He's, he's much loved. Mm-hmm. Is that what you would have liked to have been? Would you like to have been a hockey insider? No. No. My only regret, and I've probably said, is I didn't take a, maybe a crack at play-by-play. That's all. But again, my career path just didn't lead me through that opportunity. I think I might have had some fun with that. That's all. But no. One thing I never, ever wanted to be was somebody sitting at a desk talking about the highlights of the night yeah that would just to me would be a horrible job no then, a lot of guys were great at it i mean but a lot of those guys couldn't do what you did in sports well yeah i, I don't know but uh just yeah sitting there and then having the highlight reel looking in the camera well the pittsburgh penguins and the columbus blue jackets played tonight and then everybody because there's so many of them now try to be have be their own character and stuff and mm-hmm and often it's like at 11 o'clock at night. God, to be at 11 o'clock at night in a TV studio talking about hockey highlights. No, doesn't appeal to me. Well, and also doing play-by-play and being on the road 42 games a year or whatever, 41 games a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, wasn't, yeah, yeah. this wasn't scheduled. We weren't going to do uh, emails, but this one just Hi came guys. in. Uh, from Mike Bertrand, he says, Hey, Fred, on Monday's show, you kept saying it's impossible to fit a chicken up your anus. Mm-hmm. Ask Google. Hey, Google, how far can a rectum stretch? Or he supplied a link and uh, <laughs> the response. And this is in the Google search window. How far can a rectum stretch? The response, the human anus can stretch up to seven inches before taking damage. Well, I'd say the average chicken's bigger than seven inches. Wait, a raccoon can can squeeze into holes as tight as four inches, meaning you can take almost two full raccoons up your ass. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy. Uh, And I notice on our Facebook page, again, buddy Darren, he checked in with, what if it was a Cornish hen, right? Yes, yes, that's he sent me that note too. Yeah, so... Which is a point, you know, I could, some of those Cornish hens, like at a wedding and stuff like that. Yeah. One of those would go up your ass. Easily. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. Uh, here's some more advice from anal. All, all of a sudden, from, I don't want the Cornish hen. <laughs> here's some more advice from uh, something called anal play. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the average rectum is roughly 12 centimeters. Rectum? I hardly know him. Uh, there you go. Roughly 12 centimeters, trusted sources say, about five inches. Oh. Anyway. Thank you, Mike, for clearing that up. That seemed to be a big bone of contention this week. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, just crazy. I don't know. Yeah, where how you get to that point where you actually you don't know, want that? But hey, what the hell? What the hell? Did you watch any of the uh, any more of the uh, the confirmation or the vetting process? And I, I I know this is an American story, but even Canadians have to be watching this with some interest. The first black woman ever nominated to be on the Supreme Court. And I saw a chart today comparing her qualifications against the people that are already sitting on the court. And she's like five times more qualified than any of them. More community service, more years on the lower circuit courts, etc., etc. And yet there are still people from Trump world. I can't remember the woman's name. I just fucking hate her. But she tweets out this morning, Let's let's see her LSATs. Like, let's see her, Mm -hmm. the scores she's, you know, let's see her her marks Mm -hmm. from um, that, you know, comprehensive, the the test Mm -hmm. that you become a lawyer. Um, But I thought, you know, is it anyone that doesn't see this as just racism and whatever, the theater that they're... Well, I I think a lot of it's revenge. She just happens to be black. I, I think no matter who that person was... The Republicans would be after that person as revenge for what what uh, Kavanaugh went through and 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 what was the other woman's name Barrett Amy Coney Barrett the the the, the shame through this is that they predict this will be the closest margin of victory ever like for a Supreme Court judge like yeah by the skin of her teeth is going to get in just by the numbers and it's so sad that the first black woman will have that designation because then it does really scream of oh my goodness Mm -hmm. this historic moment and this is the way it's been handled and again to see that despicable jellyfish gutter pig of a human being lindsey graham yesterday Uh, yeah the same they did it again getting all like i don't i they're just it's it's what we said yesterday they're just making these ridiculous mm-hmm. statements so they can they can have uh, something when they run in the in the fall for the their re-election you know what my biggest shock yesterday was so i'm watching lindsey graham and then i as i often do i i just googled him i thought i gotta get oh, i gotta get to know more about it. like what is this guy where did he come from how do you become such a filthy despicable creep and you know what really jumped out at me his birthday is july 9th Is that your birthday? That's the same day as my birthday. Uh Uh-oh. He's one year older than me, but he was born on July. (laughs) Not that that means anything, but I thought, oh, my God. Like, you know, to have anything in common with that creep, but that's it. But the man is. He's a creep, and it gets back to what we were saying yesterday. He, He, who votes for him? How do you watch that and vote for him? But... Well, first of all, the, the people that are voting for him aren't watching yeah. that. And, or, and they think the same way. 
Uh, no, I, I'll tell you, they aren't watching it. They're not. They're not even remotely yeah. uh, aware of him, other than he's just been old, good old Lindsey Graham. But well, you know, I, I mean, I, I know they're. I get that it's a bit payback for the last couple of conversations. And I also get, by the way, that even if she weren't black, that if she were a Biden nominee mm-hmm. or he were a Biden nominee, right. if, there's always a, that amount of whatever back and forth in these things. Mm-hmm. But asking to see her scores, no one asked Amy Coney Barrett to see her LSATs. No one asked Kavanaugh. Do you know that for sure? I'm going to say that. I don't think I don't think that's the kind of question you ask somebody that's gotten to the Supreme Court nominee process. She's not looking. She's not applying for a job at your law firm. How you bring that up at this stage of the game is so ridiculous. And the fact that they're trying to make her seem like I'm I'm into porn. (laughs) You know, I'm into uh, pedophile. I I support pedophiles. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Like that's all they've got to hone in on. I just Mm -hmm. think it's embarrassing because she seems eminently qualified and she seems like a decent person, you know? No, I know. And it's, you know, they, it's just what they've become. It's like, why can't you, when this is historic for what she is, and you know, maybe there's a debate there. Like, did it have, like, anyway, what did it have to be a black woman? Well, that, that's what I mean. Like, uh, it well, is. So why not embrace that? Right. Well, because of what I just said, no matter who they would have put up, there would have been some of that partisan. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you that the, the why it has to be a black woman is like the, the same reason it had to be a black man when Clarence Thomas mm-hmm. was nominated and all that stuff came out about him. And that was... Mm-hmm. The Democrats went after him, but was you know there was a lot of weirdness around his nomination. Go look it up. Some pubic hair and a coke can. Um, but somebody has to be the first. But she yeah. is beyond qualified. And to ask about her marks in law school or getting into law school is a little bit petty. Okay, to me it is. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't know if that's part of the process. Obviously, it's not. You've done your research. Uh, I don't know. I'm just being outraged for fun. Well, and. W- We've often said, you know, the biggest the biggest example of fake news in modern history or over the past five, six, seven years is fake news. Like yeah. the level that people lean on fake news, like what is what do you mean fake news? What is yeah. fake news? Are they making it up? Fake news Fake news is fake news, as far as I'm concerned. But these guys, you know, and so, you know, the the GOP, the Republicans, they're big on this whole fake news narrative. Mm -hmm. What they're doing to this woman by cherry picking little segments and then presenting them as the overall position is it's almost criminal. Because when you look in, you know, there were some situations with uh, child pornography where you might look on the surface and go, oh, geez, only three months. But, you know, drill down, read about it. And then all of a sudden, oh, I understand where this comes from. I understand why they did this. I saw why, in the end, they decided that this might be the best route to go, whether you agree with it or not. But there's an explanation for it. But they want to present it. Oh, she's just oh, she's just soft on crime. Yeah, pedophile walks in there, gives them three months, and sends them all sends them home. Well, that's not really the story. 
And when she try, and she does the the old Fox News thing, she tries to defend herself. When she starts to make a good point, they interrupt her. Yeah, Lindsey Lindsey Graham was so yeah. rude to her yesterday, like just rude. Mm-hmm. And and I don't care what you say. Well, they, yeah, but they went after Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh is a fucking. It was accused of sexually assaulting people. It's different. You know, they're they're based. Uh, here's what I know. She must be qualified because if this is what they're going after her, she's sitting there for 12 hours a day handling these questions, you know, with a, an element of grace. Like, I know, obviously, I'm a liberal. And so I, of course, see good in her. But she is a good person. You know, just do some research on who she is and where she came from. And it's not just that she's a a person of color. She's a person of worth. I get that. And and you know all those guys know she's qualified. Of course they do. It's ideology. That's that's the problem with these people. Like Laura Ingraham, the wicked witch bitch of the West, was on last night. I was reading something this morning. You know, slamming her for the most ridiculous things. Like, like didn't even make sense. Claiming that, you know, once she's in there, she's going to she's going to change the whole texture of American law. And she, you know, you know, people will be getting abortions and, you know, while waiting in line at McDonald's. That's right. Drive through abortions will become common. All that kind of shit. And it's like, my God, like, who are you helping, lady? You know, of of course, you're making millions in your goofy 10 o'clock slot on Fox. But what about your country? What about the truth? And that's what's Fake sad. News person, you know, you, you look at the her family. I don't judge Brown. You look at her family, her parents, what they did. They became advocates. You know, they were they come. Her parents came out of a, an era where you know, you know, blacks could barely get a, a drink of water at the same restaurant, and they come out of that. They mm-hmm. become community advocates. They've done more mm-hmm. for their community and their country than any of these douchebags. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of sad that I know ideologically they have to go after her. And I guess this was the thread they needed to pick at. And as we've been saying this week, a lot of that stuff are just clips for their campaign ads. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I just felt I watched a lot of it the day before with her mom and dad sitting there so proud mm-hmm. and looking at sort of the the America. That's the American dream for black people. That's why mm-hmm. seeing it manifest. And yeah, Cory Booker, I watched his whole thing. And yeah, of course, he's a black man. He was a black mayor and he's going to run for president one day. And he's saying a lot of the stuff mm-hmm. for his campaign ad. But he mm-hmm. basically, at least he was highlighting what a good person she was. Not only how mm-hmm. qualified she was, Harvard, et cetera, et cetera. This is her fourth confirmation hearing. But just what a good at the at her core, she only wants to do well. I don't think right. I don't think Lindsey Graham's record. You, I would put his record up against hers any day. Because he doesn't want to do well. No, no, I get it. I get it. It's all so frustrating, you know, yeah. and it's all so deceptive, and it all. <sighs> You know, we've used that word frustrating. You watch that stuff and you just get a knot in your stomach and you think, why, why, why? Like, why are you being like this? And again, this, I promise this is the last time. But this here is an example. And I'm going to use Richard Surrett 
as an example again. Every day this the week. Last time. Every okay. day. But, I, but I'm telling you, this is a guy in Canada. Yes. And I'm following some of the stuff, and it's like, I'll tell you, there's evil in Canada, too. But I laugh because the last time Richard was on our show, I think he left by saying Donald Trump, the greatest president in the history of the United States. Did he not? Mm, something like that. I don't remember, but sure. And he's promoting them all the time. At the top of Richard's Twitter page, it says, Truth, it's the new hate speech. During times of universal deceit, telling the truth becomes a revolutionary act. So how do you post that and consider Donald Trump the greatest president in the history of the... Like, you know what I mean? That, it's, it's those things that you're getting a constant diet of that. And yeah, it's frustrating because you can't help but think, well, wait a minute. None of this makes sense. I know. Yeah, somewhere like... I don't I, I, I guess we could go back and wonder what was that time where it's it flipped over. Oh, here comes Darren, mm-hmm. where it flipped over from kind of an agreed upon societal truth. These things are real. <laughs> those things aren't right. to where whatever you say is real is what's real. Right. You know what I mean? Like it used to be yeah. we had an agreed upon set of facts. Dregs. It's OK, man. Boys. Hey, buddy, I, I know you got to go and uh, you got to no. I blew I I blew off the other guys. I feel bad. You blew them so we off. We can do whatever you need. Yeah. Well, we've got somebody in about twenty minutes, so we'll just uh, yeah. go until they're uh, dare. sorry. No, listen, man. Listen, we're just sitting here shooting the shit about what we're going to eat tonight. That's that's where we're at. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, if I know you won't, but if you went back and wow. listened to the first fifteen minutes of this show, that's all it was. Was what are we going to eat? Uh, hey, Darren Dreger is here. He's a, uh, you know, you know who Darren Drager is for crying out loud. You know, what, you know what I didn't know about you? And I guess What's I should have is that you, uh, the Ray and Dregs hockey podcast season yeah. three. You've done th- yeah, I know. season three, episode 26, all about the uh, trade deadline. Um, mm-hmm. are you, do you do this weekly, monthly? How often are you doing it? Yeah, normally once a week, uh, rarely because of Ray's schedule, his travel schedule, Ray Ferraro. Uh, we'll do it twice a week. Um, but, you know, it started off as just, you know, two guys shooting the breeze and Ray's got pretty strong opinion and analysis and uh, our sense of humor's happened to mesh. Uh, so it's been easy to to get guests. And, and, you know, we started kind of looking at the A-list players, right? You know, you look at Connor McDavid, you look at all the top stars around the National Hockey League, ooh, they'd be great guests. What we quickly found out, though, was the more successful guests, the better shows were when we brought on Ferraro's former teammates or players he played against, you know, Steve Stumpy Thomas, as an example. Yeah. Um, arguably, on my mind, he's the best guest we've ever had uh, just because of his willingness to tell stories. Many of them, many of them swirled around Ty Domi in the Toronto Maple Leaf days and how they used to just just hammer Domi with prank after prank after prank. <laughs> and he just could never figure it out like he couldn't <clears> figure it out. So anyway. Yeah, we do it once a week, and the fact that we're in season three is as shocking to us as it is to anyone who takes the 30, 40 minutes to listen to it. Um, 
Uh, Ray Ferraro, he's making some nice uh, American doll hairs uh, since, uh, you know, uh, NHL coverage uh, expanded <laughs> down in the States. Now, are yeah. you doing are you doing any hits with uh, those Ameri- like with uh, ESPN or any of those guys? No, thanks for asking. I didn't make the cut. Uh, <laughs> really? is, uh, that's right. No, it's a bit of a bone of contention. Yeah, yeah it's not really a sore spot. Uh, yeah. No, I I was fortunate enough to uh, work with NBC for a handful of years while NBC had the national rights. Mm-hmm. But, you know, ESPN and TNT went in a fresh and in in different direction, not saying that I wouldn't be open to it or potentially they mm-hmm. might be open to it. But now, um, Ray is, uh, I, I admire him because it's fun doing the national games, be it in mm-hmm. Canada or the U.S. It just is. There's a feel about it, right? You know, with all due respect to the Maple Leaf regional games and the Jets and the games that we do, there's just a different buzz when it's, when it's nationally. What I don't miss is the travel. And, you know, for, for example, and this is the life of Ray Ferraro now, um, it takes him all day to get from Vancouver, where he resides, to Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, literally all day of traveling. Mm-hmm. So you're right. Uh, the American funds are always nice. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, I won't miss the travel. I have to ask you, too, about trade deadline day. A few okay. years ago, all the trades, and it was very exciting on trade deadline day. So yeah. it made having those all-day specials on TSN and Sportsnet, it, it, it made sense. But now I'm, I'm, I'm actually seeing and hearing a revolt from the people actually sitting at the desk that <laughs> it's sort of, you know, a lot of the teams now are jumping the gun and they're doing it two and three days yeah. Ahead of the time. There's got to be discussions about, is this worth doing? Well, let me jump in before you answer. Why then yeah. do they call it the trade deadline day? If, if I, I know it's because the deadline is you have to have them done. Yeah. When yeah. all the excitement has been sort of sucked out of it for the fans. It's unfortunate. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, why do we continue to do it? <sighs> Hey, man, we just talked about dollars, right? And that's why we continue to do it. I mean, the advertisers, uh, particularly in the morning, they like the spectacle of the event. They like tuning into TSN and seeing us in Studio 6. Well, the trade breakers weren't in Studio 6 because of pandemic regulations. We're still (laughs) cast-offs in another studio on the the TSN uh, CTV compound. Um, But honestly, you know, we ask this question every year as a hockey group Mm -hmm. because – it's not even predictable anymore. You know right. what is happening. You know that the, the big guys, like the, the Claude Giroux, the Benny Sherratts, those type of players are getting traded before the deadline. It happens mm-hmm. every single year. Uh, but there's enough, you know, lure, I suppose, to, you know, Toronto Maple Leafs fans, ooh, you know, could they get a, a goaltender? Marc-Andre Fleury is still out there, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And the shenanigans, right? It's, it's turned into a spectacle more than it has a day of information and breaking trades. I mean, that's a small part of it now. Now you've got the talents of James Duthie and and, uh, all the quirky stuff that goes into the production of the day that seems to matter. But just curious from somebody way on the outside, because you know my sport is golf, which we're going to get to. But but wouldn't you think the the ownership and the league would at least know that, again, this is a big day for fans. Yeah. So why not? You know, leave the, you know, Giordano trade or any of the, leave that announcement unto, to let, let that be, let it air out on that day. It just seems yeah. weird to me. 
How much fun would that be? I mean, you look at, mm-hmm. at some of the other sports. NBA does a terrific job of that. Um, you know, some of the stuff we're seeing currently in the NFL, you know, with the big names that are switching teams and nobody really talks about it until it happens. And then we're all like, wow, did you just see what went down? Uh, I don't you know, maybe it's the traditional aspect of the of the game of hockey. You know, you're never going to get the general managers to buy in because, quite frankly, for the majority, if not 99% of them, we're an inconvenience. You know, the amount of pestering too that bad. I do, it is too bad from a TV perspective and from a fan standpoint, right? It's not just about what we're trying to do at the network level. You know, it's about how fans consume and get excited. You know, if the right. Giordano trade to the Toronto Maple Leafs happens on trade deadline day, man, like that day is an absolute home run win, right? Mm-hmm. Because Leafs Nation would have been buzzing. Social media would have been just wild. So it's it's unfortunate, but you're never going to get the old school boys of the National Hockey League to buy into that, regardless no, it, of, of how much it would matter. And you guys are all too good at digging. Like, you're not going to yeah. sit on it either. Like, if you find exactly. out, and inevitably you're going to find out about it. Yeah. Um, what about, uh, we should talk about the Maple Leafs and... Uh, I love the Maple Leafs, but I'm such a cynic. It's like, to me, it's just so painfully obvious this team is not capable of winning a Stanley Cup. And you, you talk about Giordano. Yeah. Again, to me, it's just another 38-year-old guy ending his career in Toronto. We've seen this act before. Yeah. What position are you in? Like, I, like I'm convinced it's over already. Like, if they win a couple of games against Florida or Tampa, I'll be surprised. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I'm yeah. with you. I, I'm skeptical that they are... Uh, a Stanley Cup favored team. You know, I, I look at Tampa Bay pretty obviously as everybody does. And, you know, it, it would be a cool story historically if they're able to win three in a row. I mean, you're going back to the 80s with the Islanders and the mm-hmm. Edmonton Oilers as a dynasty run here. And it's it's entirely possible, you know, given how that team stacks up and knock on wood, if you're a Lightning fan, they're, they're healthy at this point. And then you see what the Panthers have done in the arms race in Florida to, to stay up there. And, you know, so then you do have to make the comparison to the Toronto Maple Leafs. But if I can get on a soapbox here for a moment, that's, you know, the pie in the sky stuff we just talked about. How cool would it be if, if the National Hockey League forced these teams to hold their trades until deadline day? What if they actually adjusted their playoff schedule so that you've got one versus 16 as opposed Mm. to the Toronto Maple Leafs playing the Florida Panthers Mm -hmm. or the Tampa? I mean, it happens every year where some of the best teams in the National Hockey League are bounced in the first round. Mm -hmm. And again, the cynics, the old school uh, decision makers of the National Hockey League will say, well, look, I mean, to hoist the Stanley Cup, you've got to beat the best. Everybody has to go through four rounds. Yeah, I get that. But it's about entertainment. It's about, you know, giving the fans what they want to see. So I, every year we talk about it and every year, and we've got GM meetings, National Hockey League GM meetings in Florida uh, early next week. We'll ask the question there. And one more time, Commissioner Bettman will say there's no appetite to adjust the playoff matrix. So yeah. it should. Otherwise, you're right. The, the Maple Leafs, as you compare them to Tampa Bay, as you compare them to Florida, as you compare them to Colorado, the Calgary Flames. I'm skeptical. I don't think they stack up. No, they're just not built right. And I, you know, I'm watching the game last night again. Mitch Marner sets a, a personal high with goals and everything. That's the key. You cut that off, 
and yeah. the team's done. I mean, he, he, you know, say what you want about Matthews, but watching Marner, I mean, he's the key to their success. So Florida, Tampa, Carolina, it's go, okay, get that guy and we've got the team. It's over. Yeah. Well, and you're going to get in trouble. You're going to get in trouble for saying that from, from the anti-Marner group because I still get ridiculous tweets sent at me because there is a large portion of, of Maple Leafs fans who believe that the salary cap predicament they're in has nothing to do with the 11 million in John Tavares, but it has everything to do with the money that they had to pay Mitch Marner. Oh, <laughs> and, I, and, and I'm the guy that's to blame because I was reporting the truth at, you know, throughout the negotiation. Yeah. Here's his value based on an open market mm-hmm. uh, assessment. So anyway, it's, we'll it's, see. It's, I, I don't think the, their problem is, are they going to be able to outscore their mistakes, right? Did they do yeah. enough defensively? Right. Is goaltending strong enough? And we'll find out. It's interesting you bring that up, uh, the idea of can they outscore their mistakes. It's almost like, you know, in a, in a golf scenario, can you make enough birdies to cover up yeah. the fact you've hit three in the woods and a couple in the water? But, but back hey, well, to... I'll, I'll just, no, just one other point I'll make before we move on is that, you know, 31 other teams would pay Mitch Marner $10 million a year. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Um, I agree. But back to something you were saying, Darren, about you know people responding, you're the bad guy, you're just the messenger of the truth. It's interesting you bring... I, I went to look up your Twitter feed this morning, so I wanted to get a sense of... I think I've asked you about it. You have 1.1 million Twitter followers, which is pretty unique in Canada. That's a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a, a unique anywhere, but it's just in, in a country of 35 million. It's pretty good. And yet, you don't seem to get a lot of... I looked at some of the comments. You don't get a lot of, you know, sort of trolls giving you shit. No. I don't engage that much, though, to be fair. And, right. And that's probably a weakness on my part. And my... You know, I've got a soon-to-be 23-year-old daughter who's in law school. I've got a 20-and-a-half-year-old son who's in uh, third-year university at Guelph. And they're constantly telling me, Dad, like, you're, you, you, you've got such an opportunity with your social media base. You do have to engage on occasion and post some stuff on Instagram. Like, kind of get the juices flowing. I just can't bring myself yeah, I, to do it. I understand. I, it's like, because you know? we, we're a little older than you, but we grew up in an era, era where, where where announcers and broadcasters didn't also have to be bloggers and video editors. And, but I will say one of the things on your Twitter feed, and I, I, this is the kind of the point I'm going to make, that you tweeted something, and I love this, by the way, because I grew up out west. I know who the Sutters are. I was a Flames fan. But you yeah. tweeted uh, something. The day isn't over, but listening to Daryl Sutter talk about his son, Chris, is a good way to wind down. Uh, and that was a hashtag World Down Syndrome Day. And I, I just want to invite everyone, if you don't follow Darren, go check this. It's a three-minute video. And I don't know, is it Brendan Parker, the young man that's doing the interview? Yeah. yeah. But just listening yeah. to uh, to listening to Daryl Sutter talk about his, his son, it's, yeah. it's really a, a sweet three-minute watch. And, and I think one of the best things about social media, because yeah. your social media introduced me, mm-hmm. uh, a fan of yours, to that story. And I just loved it. Ah, terrific. And, and look, you know, for as gruff and as dismissive as Daryl Sutter can be at times as an NHL head coach, I've had the good fortune of getting to know Daryl um, and his brothers, the entire Sutter clan over the years. And he is an incredibly loyal human being in every sense of that word. So, 
you know, I, I met Daryl as a hockey reporter. We didn't know each other before then. We instantly connected because he knew, was told that I came from a farming background. So I grew up on the farm. Daryl says, that's enough for me. He's a good guy. I want to talk to him. So during their Stanley Cup run uh, in Los Angeles, um, almost every media availability, we'd go in there. I'd go in there. And there's probably 40, 50 other assembled media. And before the the questions would start flying, he'd look up and he'd go, Greg's, you getting a hay in? <laughs> uh, yeah. Got the crops in? Everything good there? Yeah, yeah. yeah everything's good, Daryl. Thanks. Jeez, we're having it. Like he would go, mm-hmm. it would be two, three minutes of he and I just kibitzing about the farm and how things were going. And uh, you know, then I got introduced to his son, Chris. And uh, Well, it's a great story. The Chris looks like a great kid. And, and the fact oh, that he's a so huge Flames fan. And, yeah. And, yeah. and Daryl talking about how they made decisions on the day he was born, that yeah. whatever their lives were going to take him, wherever it was going to be, be to, to the benefit of his son. I just loved it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, fantastic. that's the good part of social media and i yeah. and i i looked at your your feed and, and I, I like that kind of stuff and and yeah you yeah, know and, and, and that's probably the team that's going to bring the uh, stanley cup back to canada i mean maybe even this year i mean yeah there's a team a really good team and and again this is a side of daryl that you know if you don't pay attention or listen to him on a daily basis he mm-hmm. told us last week um, that at the end of the last season in Calgary, he met with the players and just flat out asked them, what, what's the ingredient that we're missing here? Because mm-hmm. I think we've got a pretty good team. And they basically came back and said, we don't know what our identity is. We don't have a winning culture yet. And so they go out and acquire some winning pieces. Blake Coleman from the Tampa Bay Lightning, Tyler Toffoli, who he won with in Los Angeles. I mean, go down the list of the ads that they brought in, not just randomly picking players who are available that they think are going to help. No, these are players who have mm-hmm. proven that they can win in the National Hockey League. Yeah. And now they're the, they're they're legit. I don't disagree with you. I, mm. You know, it's pretty easy to look at how well they played um, and, and see the belief that they could be Canada's biggest threat, yeah, for sure. Well, they're is, built properly. Is that the yeah. problem with the Leafs, guys, is that they don't have be. a culture of winning, that there's not a sense of identity, that uh, we're doing this for uh, a common goal? Yeah. Yeah, maybe, but, you know, you, you do have... You know, Wayne Simmons has been a successful player. Jason Spetz has been a successful player. Do they Mark Giordano? They just added. You know, the problem with some of those guys is there's a lot of miles on the chassis there, right? How much do they have left? Spetsa for me, I don't know where he's drinking from the pool of youth here, but he, you know, he just incredibly stays relevant. Um, mm-hmm. And now we're going to find out here in the days, weeks ahead. Potentially months of Giordano can do that. What were you going to say? Today's NHL, you can't afford to lose a step. I mean, it's just so obvious. They're so young and fast and strong. Once you get to that fringe, I mean, that's the that's the difference. One more thing on your social media, the one point one, and you're talking about engaging. I mean, really, at this stage of your life, too, you got to think about the work life uh, balance and. No, being on the phone all the time. I mean, if you've got your nose in Twitter all day long, too, I know. Where's your life? Well, it's funny because, you know, I guess because I'm on my phone, to your point, all the time. And, you know, Mm -hmm. the new smartphones now, you know, my iPhone will remind me once a day where I'm at in terms of my daily consumption, Mm -hmm. my screen time. Your screen time, I know. It's crazy. And I look at it and, 
You know, okay, leading up to the trade deadline, it's pretty obvious that's what we do. It's it's a tool of our trade, so your screen time is going to be up. There was a stretch on the weekend. I looked at it where I was at 11 hours. Wow. 11 hours in one day <laughs> of staring at that's my crazy. phone. Yeah. I just went, oh, my God. And then, really? So it gave me the lowest. So the lowest in the last month was almost seven hours, and then the highest was over 11. That's like, who crazy, does that? Like, oh, well, I mean, and, and, and keep your mind off the war. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, fair enough. And, yeah. and, and then you're supposed to then, you know, you know tweet out something pithy and, and yeah. amusing to your fans. Um, along with uh, hockey and a passion for reporting, I know we've talked to you a little bit about golf. I don't want to get into the minutia of the Saudi Golf League and whatever. Are right. you, are you uh, going to be part of the uh, Masters broadcast team again? No, I didn't. I, again, yeah. I didn't make it. Um, what? You know, yeah, I, I don't understand. Uh, <laughs> this is you know, bullshit. Got, you know, ton of respect for Bob Weeks and, and the assembled crew. Um, but James Duthie must have pictures of somebody at TSN, if not Bell, because, <laughs> you know, look at everything. that the, uh, He's a fantastic talent. We know that. That goes without saying. But he does the Super Bowl. He does the Great Cup. It's not he fair. He does the Masters. It's not like, fair. You know, and, and when he's not doing that, he's got a villa in Turks and Caicos. Oh, I mean, please. I'm telling you, it's gross. The talk, does he have a million Twitter followers? Uh, just well, on that subject, the Masters starts in a couple weeks. Uh, just quickly, any thoughts about, you know, they've got, uh, they've got a list of past champions uh, mm-hmm. not playing. And so far, yeah. like the social media was going a little bit crazy yesterday. Tiger's not on that list. I don't, yeah. for me, I don't think there's any way Tiger Woods hobbles up to the first tee in a few I weeks. Do you, yeah. What do you think? No, I don't think so. And I, I, I'm a Phil Mickelson fan, despite all the nonsense that has been going on over the past number of weeks here. Um, but I took a lot of pleasure in seeing that Phil isn't playing in the Masters only because I'm part of a like a 14, 16 person Masters and a Majors pool. Okay. And one of my buddies took Phil Mickelson on a flyer with his last pick. So you have to have three players that make the cut in advance because mm. it's a money-driven pool, right? Okay. And so Mickelson is not participating, and uh, that just juiced up our our. <laughs> well, as long as it benefited you, Darren. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, do you, Absolutely. I, I tried to explain this to Fred yesterday because the PGA Tour famously doesn't announce who they've suspended or who they find. Yeah. Last question about Phil even though you like him and I hate him. Uh, do you think he got suspended or do you think he voluntarily stepped away because of all the controversy? I, I feel like if he had been suspended, we would know that. Uh, again, you know, the fine work that most media do and all the major sports, wouldn't somebody dig that up? Or wouldn't Phil come out swinging? Like, if it, he, he's been so vocal historically against the PGA with rule changes and equipment and all of that. I feel like, you know that would just be serving it up for him to take a hard swipe at the PGA. So yeah, I'm probably. not sure why voluntarily he wouldn't play. I mean, it's still it'll always be you know the the top of the the most coveted in terms of golf events. Mm-hmm. So it's a weird one. No, that's a good question. Yeah, you'd think that a guy as uh, yeah. outspoken as him would say something, except the fact that the tour doesn't announce it, and historically they never talk yeah. about it. No, I get it. All right, man. Um, 
Freddie, any final thoughts for uh, no, no, Darren I, again, I just don't understand that. It's like I can't imagine, like in any of the other sports, a guy's suspended, but you don't find out. Yeah, me like, too. Like why or about it? It's just weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am looking forward to seeing how many players follow Greg Norman though, and and chase the twenty five schmill per event on that. Saudi tour, whatever it is. Yeah, the Saudi golf uh, league. James yeah. Duffy would, but he can't afford the pay cut. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, James is going to tee it up. Yeah, you know, we haven't really talked about that on the show because it's a little bit, you know, if you're not a, for the casual golf fan, yeah, you probably haven't even I heard understand. of it. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, it's going to, you know, there's this phrase in marketing that's, it, it is going to disrupt things. There's, sure. there's no way that it won't have any effect. And it will be interesting because yeah. their first tournament's only a couple months away. It'll be interesting yeah. to see who signed on with it. Agreed. Uh, in light of all the human rights and all the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. let's leave on another fine note. If you follow Darren, if you don't follow him, you should. If for no other reason, then go check out that video. Darren, thanks for taking some time with us this morning. We appreciate it, man. Always my pleasure. And I apologize for being a bit. Tired. Not at all. No problem. Don't you no worry problem about here. it. Thank you, pal. There he is, Darren Dreger. What a fine uh, Western Canadian boy that kid is. Huh? Mm-hmm. Moose Jaw, Red Deer, wherever the hell you came up <laughs> from up there. Uh, Darren Dreger, thanks, my friend. Hey, guys, be well. There he is. Um, his first, uh, he was offered a job, says here on Wikipedia, in Winkler, Manitoba. I don't even think the people in Winkler know where that is. Uh, was the play-by-play announcer Fred for the Brandon Wheat Kings? You ever heard of yeah. him? Yeah. All these, uh, you know, a lot of those uh, Sportsnet, TSN stars came from little towns across Canada. End up in the big smoke, making some nice dollars. First time I saw or heard of Ron McLean was he got hired in Calgary, I think, out of uh, also working in Red Deer. I think that was his mm-hmm. first gig. Uh, very nice. Uh, yeah, go check out that video of this Daryl Sutter talking about his son. Yeah, those Sutters, by the way. I lost track of how many. There were six. Did they all play in the league? I believe, yes. It's ridiculous. Was he Pup? They all had weird nicknames. Um, this program, of course, Darren uh, Dreger, Fred, you know who he is. He's our uh, gig guy, guest of the day, let me tell you. Right now is a great time to get back in and figure out what's going on in the world of GigSky because people are traveling again. Uh, The latest service offers include mobile data while flying. Traveling on selected airlines and routes, you can get mobile data. Go to GigSky.com slash AeroMobile to see the list of partner airlines. And at GigSky.com, if you sign up and enter the code 20HF2022, you get $5 off your first plan. I think we've told you by now all the advantages of GigSky. You know, staying connected while you travel internationally. GigSky app is available for Android and iOS and affordable data coverage in over 190 countries. Find out more, including GigSky travel rewards at GigSky.com. Hey, whether you're a sports uh, better, a horse racing fan, a poker, a casino player, Boat Dog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment from their industry-leading odds, world-class sports book, and feature-rich poker room uh, to their fully loaded casino and race book, they've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. Have fun, people. The Sweet 16 uh, begins today, and... Uh, I know a lot of people, you know, whether it's their own personal brackets or, you know, throwing a a few pesos at the results, uh, you know, March Madness is uh, a lot of fun from a gaming standpoint. Bodog is where to go.
So the uh, the sixteen, the round of sixteen bracket starts this week at the Sweet Sixteen. Is that yes, yes? And then it becomes the Elite or or the Great Eight or the Elite Eight. I Something like One that. Of those. Yeah, yeah. And then the Final Four. Uh huh. It's interesting here in Canada how where you went to school. I mean, unless you went to like I don't know Queens or. The University of Toronto Law or God's Good Hall, but we don't really define ourselves so much about where we went to university. And yet, you know, I watch golf, as you know, and several times during a broadcast, they'll reference, you know, where that kid played university golf. And then, of course, they'll put up all the alumni. And I wonder why that is. Why is it such a big deal? Uh, maybe in American life, where you go to school really says so much about where you're going to be in life. I don't know. I always found that interesting how they're so alumni-centric about where they went to school. Even years later, it's like, who cares? You know? No, I know. And, you know, the passion for uh, college sports is just wild, you know? I mean, a lot of the revenue driven through those schools now comes through athletics. Yeah. It's like, you know, you could have a great medical school and you could have a professor who teach brain, who could teach uh, a brain surgery. And he makes a couple hundred thousand a year. Yeah. And the coach of the football team might make. 11 million a year or 9 million. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it, it's bizarre. It really is. Yeah. But again, you know, it's the free market system. Well, and it's what alumni, that mm-hmm. whole idea of you, you have to spend so much money to go to one of these universities, the big schools in the States. And then for the rest of your life, you're being solicited mm-hmm. to support the school. John Mulaney has a much funnier bit about this, but, but the idea is that, you spend hundreds of thousands of dollars and they keep asking you for more money as a graduate mm-hmm. of that institution. It, yeah, I've never really so got what's it. So what, what's the mindset there? It's like you went to the university, you've done well, you're making a good living, now give back. Yeah. Even though you paid tuition along the way. Yeah, and even though a huge percentage of kids that go to schools, good schools and not so good schools, spend the rest of their lives paying off the debt acquired to go to that school. And, you know, the dirty little secret that's not really a secret is, you know, kids that are unathletic with uh, great minds can't afford to go to a school. Yet somebody who can catch a football gets into the school and really doesn't ever really graduate on any significant level. They're sort of pushed through because they're helping the athletic department make millions through the stadiums. And the other not so dirty little secret, and it's come out, you know, mm-hmm. in the last you know several years is, and and, and I'm going to ask. I think they're about to correct this, but they're not paying their athletes other than in scholarship and mm-hmm. under the table payments. Mm-hmm. But they've they've created a. A sporting event, this college basketball or mm-hmm. or NCAA, whatever, where they're making hundreds of millions of dollars and paying these kids nothing, nothing, free tuition, and yet the coaches, like there's college coaches, make there there are college coaches making well above the NFL average. How like, do you explain that? The, because it means so much. Like it means so much. No, but from a revenue, a compa- huh? even from a revenue standpoint, you think a college team creates more revenue than it? No, it doesn't. So then what? Than an NFL team, obviously not. 
Oh, no, no, no. But see, again, they could budget for it because they don't have to pay players. Right. The idea is you put a competitive team on the field, like Michigan, 100,000 people, right? You want that team to be competitive. You put 100,000 in every week. That's why you pay Jim Harbaugh or John Harbaugh, whatever his name is. That's why you pay him $9 million a year to coach your football team. <laughs> That's crazy, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's just uh, it's a crazy structure. And um, here, you know, you can't get four hundred to go to a U at T football game or a York the Varsity Arena you know, or Varsity yeah. Stadium. You know, I and, and I don't want to dwell on this. I just want to mention it because I know some people would have would wonder if I'd heard the story. And since we're talking about U.S. college golf, there's a Canadian aspect to it. Maybe you heard about this terrible accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, university, I think it's Texas. Excuse yeah. me if I don't have the right school, but it was a really terrible accident where uh, like eight or nine kids on this golf team were on their way to a tournament mm-hmm. and were killed right. by a, by a uh, head-on collision. The other car mm-hmm. driven by a 13-year-old, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and there were two Canadian kids on that team Mm-hmm. who weren't killed but are critic were very very severely injured apparently they're doing better they're they've been upgraded to some stable their their conditions are stable but right. you know sort of similar to the Humboldt uh, was it Humboldt Broncos they got into the accident yes. basically the the entire golf team was wiped out almost yeah. except for these two Canadian kids so anyway yeah that took place i think in the last week or so no, yeah, crazy. A couple of horrible stories this week. There was that family from uh, Belleville, too. I believe it was Belleville. Driving home from Florida Saturday morning in a van. Husband, wife, four kids. They're at a stoplight and a cement truck plowed into the back of them. What? Oh, yeah. And uh, the two daughters, two daughters dead. Uh, the son and the wife, critical horrible condition and then the and the, the father apparently recovering he's some lawyer from Belleville but mm. you just read that stuff and you just think Howard in the blink of an eye you've had a nice holiday you're driving home you're a bit down ah we're driving home you know we got a 24 hour drive ahead of us or something and then stop at a stoplight and bang life changes in an instant makes your head spin no for sure um I'm just sorry. I'm just texting uh, our friend Tim Daniels to see if he's going to join us. Dan Duran is here, and I guess we can kind of work around, you know, Dan's news. I'm just waiting to hear back from Tim Daniels, and then well, of course Dan's very, very flexible. Howard, <laughs> is he really? Flexible. Oh yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Hey, uh, quickly! I started watching, and I didn't. I watched about an hour of it, and then uh, I had dinner and never didn't go back to it. Uh, but uh, Nightmare Alley. Yeah, it's a crazy movie, man. <laughs> Start watching the beginning of that. And again, I couldn't help but thinking, in my lifetime, at the CNE, there was a lot of that shit going on. Oh, Daisy yeah. Dora, the fat woman. Yep. Siamese twins. You paid to go in and watch to look at Siamese twins. The bearded lady. Yeah, but even that, I mean, that... That one's not nearly as bad as, let's go behind this curtain and look at Siamese twins sitting there. Like... Uh, it happened. Yes. In Toronto, in my lifetime. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it happened at the Moose Jaw exhibition when mm-hmm. I was a kid. I just wasn't allowed to go. Um, 
So the 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 ex in Moose Jaw was called. I think it was called Regina was Buffalo Days. Edmonton was Klondike Days. Calgary, of course, is Stampede. But yeah, all those people. Hey, by the mm-hmm. way, back back to that movie. Is that's pretty interesting film? Eh? It's a different kind of Bradley Cooper movie. Mm-hmm. Just interesting and and gritty and and sort of what was life was like back in those days and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I'm gonna pick it up. Uh. You know, a movie like that, what is it, two hours and... It's two and a half, two twenty. Two and a half hours? Yeah, yeah I, I sort of got to look at it like a miniseries or something. Yeah. Wait for a lull in the action and then just go back the next day, because two and a half... Like, I started watching it, like, I think at five o'clock, and I think, Jesus Christ, it'll be 7.30 when this is in. I well, can't do but, this. But when do you have dinner? At around six. That's what I mean. I watched yeah. it for an hour or something, and then I didn't go back to it. By you the watch way, it during dinner? No. <laughs> okay, easy. By the way, there's also, uh, you can get oysters tonight. Back to our restaurant. Not happening. You don't like oysters? I love oysters, but I don't. At that price for six oysters, I know I would be disappointed after the oysters I had down in Florida, which were uh, were spectacular. Yeah, oysters are really expensive. And unless you get into a situation where you can have enough of them, like, I mean, a lot, like 12, 18. And, you know, you can't six isn't going to do it for me. And they're and they're they're pretty expensive. But uh, not happening. Yeah, I'm just waiting to hear back, Dan. So what we might do since I'm I'm, and, you know, our friend Tim Daniels in Florence has a regular grown up job. So I don't know. He must be busy. That's why he's not signing in. So why don't we start your news? And then if for some reason Tim signs in while it's going on, we'll just uh, pause and then get back to it. Are you ready for that? that? All righty. Yeah. All right. Hey, hey. All right, Danny. All right. All right, Danny. All right, Danny. That sounds like a plan. Here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchor man, comes as for credentials he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchorman's here He's prone to falling off his chair But he's got a big wang So he don't care And his voice is nice and low My voice is nice and low And now live from Lakeside uh, Dan Duran's news brought to you by the Retirement Sherpa You haven't talked about the Sherpa yet today, have you? No, I haven't. Uh, Tim is a portfolio manager. Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. And Tim was on the show yesterday reminding us that you got to get your tax stuff in order because, you know, the deadline is the end of April. All right. Tim's, uh, Tim can uh, be contacted at retirementsherpa.ca. Yes. And if you want to, yeah, tim.niblet at retirementsherpa. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, Dan Duran's news. Here we go with the latest in the headlines of the stories. Here's Henry. Don't hold in your farts. Brazilian superstar Polka woke up with stomach pains and ended up in the hospital. The reason is that she would not fart around her boyfriend. She's a very attractive person. You may not have heard of her, but she's a superstar. She has over 15 million Twitter followers. She tweeted this out uh, as she was recovering in hospital. Those farts that uh, should have been released got trapped and caused fart pain. There's a, uh, uh, I'm sorry, what's her name again, Dad? Castle I'm going to look her up. I'm sorry, what's her name? Polka. 
Poca. You know, why is it like that his... P-O-C-A-H. Why, why is it that your, your Zoom is fine until you have to be on the show? Talk. Like, hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. Did, did you know, Can it, I do? Well, it's not your fault. I'm just saying it's, it's too bad. Again, I still didn't... Because you froze up. What's her name? Poca. P-O-C-A-H. Poca. Okay. Is her last name Hauntus? Actually, she started out with with the name as Pocahontas, but uh, she signed with a record company, and then they said, you know, there's a can't little... Can't do that. Uh, it's Disney not a soon. Uh, uh, can't do that. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, there's a professor at the University of Newcastle who said that holding in gas can lead to a buildup of pressure, which is what causes this discomfort. And according to the professor, a uh, buildup of intestinal gas can trigger abdominal distension. And some gas can be reabsorbed into the circulation and exhaled in your breath. So you could have bad breath because you haven't farted. Fart so, mouth. Let her fart. Yeah. On the, uh, did you know that on the average, the uh, people uh, fart 14 times a day? Easily. Sure. Easily. Easily. I had a, a test a couple of weeks ago. I had an ultrasound, and the uh, young human that was uh, giving me the ultrasound kept asking me to take a breath in and then hold it and then let it out. And I kept saying, well, what is this for? She goes, well, sir, there's quite a bit of gas buildup in your abdomen. I'm like, okay. Yeah, I knew that. <laughs> I definitely, I definitely knew that. Yeah, yeah not letting it come. <laughs> there's a lot of gas here. Well, that's the uh, colonoscopy thing, too. At the end, the woman, went you wake up, now don't feel the urge, don't be embarrassed. You know, you want to expel that air that's in there. And I'm laying there the last time, and it's like all you can hear in the room is these huge farts where people pushing the air out of their assholes. It was sickening. <laughs> no, no, chickens came, no chickens came out, though. No, it was sickening, was it? I can just imagine her saying, don't be afraid to fart. And you go, do you know who I am? Yeah. Although I do feel bad for my wife, because again, guys, I'm talking, what, 1974 to 2022, what's that, 48 years I've been around my sweet darling, and still have never heard her fart, and that is the God on God honest? No, oh, is, is it? Is it? That is know. the truth. The God awful. The God honest, the God's honest truth. Yeah. Well, listen. 48, still have not heard it, so who knows what pain she's in, no wonder. Yeah. Oh, exactly. No wonder she it? speaks so quietly. <laughs> Have you smelled it? No, nothing. Not even a not even a smell. No. Wow. That's crazy. What's that smell? What does she does though? On her deathbed, she's going to have mm. one giant fart and just explode. Well, you better let her know what happened to Polka because maybe she's got so she's she have any chronic abdominal pains and stomach pains based on no. Oh. She never complains. I guess, you know, she just, if she ha- has the urge, she goes upstairs and cranks it and then comes back down. I don't know. I can't explain it. It's crazy. Well, I'm going to ask. That's my first question to Doll tonight. Doll, in your entire life, you've never farted in front of Fred. Where ha- where do you fart? Where does Doll go to fart in the house? That's Where's right. Doll's fart room? Yeah. <laughs> you should spy on her. Be a fart hunter. Now, the, That's the kids right. have heard it. The kids have said, Dad, we've heard her. And I'm saying, well, what is it? You know, like, is that a respect thing? Uh, you know, I, is, there's something charming about that. Never wanting to do that in front of your man. <laughs> I guess the opposite is true with you. It's like, who hasn't heard you far? <laughs> it's the whole neighborhood. <laughs> it's true. People walk by. Hey, I know that house. I heard him fart. 
Uh, I guess uh, Boone is here. Uh, Tim Daniels. Uh, I'm I'm messaging him in Florence this morning, and it must be he's embroiled in some grown up stuff because uh, he's not responding. What's that, Booner? I'm sure he has a good excuse. Oh no! Well, it's listen, man. It's a health gauge guy. Of course, uh, health gauge. Uh, the miracle that is this watch we're all wearing. Healthgage.com is where you go to find out more. Use the promo code HumbleFredHG for a 15% discount at checkout. And check out all the various activities and health-related um, uh, aspects that, that bring bring all of this together and also allow you to share the information with healthcare professionals, which is really a, a bonus to the plus 50 people because you can kind of take, you know, a stock of your blood pressure on a daily basis, heart rate and all, all sorts of stuff. Go to Humble and Fred, go to HealthCage.com, I should say, and use the promo code HumbleFredHG for 15% at checkout. So um, Mike Boone, of course, our producer slash host of Toronto Mike. And uh, I was on uh, Twitter this morning, Booner, yes. and I realized I did. Now, is that your did you describe yourself as this or? Um, no, no, no. I would never do that. No. Did somebody else? Someone else's, someone else's podcast yesterday and they wrote that description. And uh, yeah, I had nothing to do with it. That you're the godfather of podcasting. I was just wondering, is that so if you're the godfather, who are who are we then? <laughs> Again, I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> I'm, staying, I'm not touching the, that one. We're the grandfathers. That's right. We're the uh, old, we're the fucking dinosaurs of podcasting. That's who we are. Don Howie and Don uh, Freddy. Howie, Howie, no respect. Although I, I should ask Boone, I in June 11th or the, some week in June uh, that week, uh, Canadian Music Week, and again, they're all over the podcasting thing, and it's just interesting, the pers- uh, description of a couple of the of the the labs or whatever you oh, the, call the them. Oh, the panelists and such, yeah. The panelists, yeah. you know, all about podcasting and, you know, creating podcasts and generating revenue and everything. And the <laughs> They never call us, right? So no, who, who are like the people on the, who are on the panels talking oh, about I don't generating even know. Like revenue? People I don't even know, like, you know, but I don't yeah. know. It's just interesting because, you know, I, we've got, I think we have some, something to offer. I, so on this show I was on and the, These nice gentlemen from Waterloo invited me on And I zoomed with them for an hour and right. it was fun But I said on this show I said If moolah Is the way you're going to gauge the success Of a podcast I said Humble and Fred I said the amount of money they make off their podcast As independent podcasters Second to none in this country it, Like again Canada mm-hmm. land accepted This is the probably the highest revenue Generating independent podcast In the entire country well, that's that's the reason they don't invite us to these things. No one wants to hear that story. <laughs> yeah, there's this whole there's this whole culture in Canada too, where there's people want to lay claim to stuff, so they want to pretend others don't exist or something. It's hard to explain, but yeah, it's true. A, I, I mean, you know, I never got a call. Like, well, I like, was going to say Mike deserves to be there as much as we do. I, I agree. I, I mean. Agree. As far as independent podcast production goes, I got no problem with it. Don't they read you. the paper? Don't they read? See, I, I can imagine you just walk around with a star now and go, I am Mike. Give me things. I'm printing it for the studio wall. I want people to know who they're messing with here. But th- but seriously, I haven't looked at the panels for the this year's you know Canadian Music Week. But if they're talking about podcasting, and to be fair, they years ago, they invited us down, Fred. We were on a panel. This was like a couple years into this. It was you and I and Alan Cross and a few others, but 
You know, you'd think that certainly Mike Boone would be somebody. In terms of producing podcasts, mm-hmm. nobody, there's nobody like you. You've produced more. Beside your own podcast, right. you are indirectly and or directly responsible for thousands of episodes and revenue generation in Canada. I, it just seems weird like you're not on there. Yeah, I didn't even know it was happening until Fred just mentioned it. Now I'm pissed off. Thanks a lot, Freddie. Well, you look at it this <laughs> way. Right. I look at it this way. I, you know, I, I, you know, I present this to you fellas, and then I see the date June 11th, and I'm thinking, yeah. if they, if they did call and we did agree, from that <laughs> moment on, I'd be going, oh, fuck yeah. that. But that's part of the story. I think it'd be yeah. wild. That, that'd be part of the story. Yeah, I can't <laughs> make. Are you sure it's June 11th? Well, June 11th is a Saturday. If it's a nice weekend in June, we don't want to be at the whatever hotel. Mm-hmm. And now, and this is, see how quickly this has turned around, though, guys? We've gone, <laughs> we've gone from, why weren't we invited to, oh, I don't want to go. No, so yeah, yeah, Saturday, I would bike over and tell them to go fuck no. themselves. That's there you go. I, I may have, the, well, usually, yeah, because it usually starts, like, on a Thursday, and I think there's, like, uh, uh, seminars, like, on the Saturday. So, that, that makes sense. Um but uh, again, something else I, I quickly read. I every so often you hear these uh, proclamations, these declarations. Hey, radio is not dead; it's still fine. You know, nine out of ten houses still have a radio in them, and it's like now my mother-in-law is a person that used to have the radio on all day long is listening to podcasts. Don't uh, tell me, right? I know that it, it's at the same level it was. I'm sorry. How much time do you spend in a day not on the radio because of podcasts or str- music streaming? Now, stop feeding me that bullshit. And I don't know where it's coming from, but it's bullshit. You know, Fred. Great. And, and in the same podcast where I was talking about how much money you guys make on your podcast, this is last night. I was talking about the stop down. Like radio still does this thing where it stops. And it goes away for like three minutes. Longer. And they air like six Five ads. Minutes. Whatever. I don't even know. They air these ads and then they come back. And I think, can you imagine, Fred, can you imagine like, like well, your grandkids will never sit through no, that. But my, no. my teenagers and my 20-year-old, they're not sitting through this. Howard's kids are not sitting through that. Like who sits through that? Why is radio trying to commit suicide? <laughs> well, because they, well, they can't. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, well, they can't. It, it, the only way they could do that is to charge more for the commercials. And that would be tough in, a, in, in certain markets uh, to, to play less commercials. They'd have to charge more or just make less money or find another way of. of but can't they money. do what we do, like what Humble and Fred do, what Toronto Mike do? We don't stop and go air six canned ads and then come back like or seven or eight or whatever. You guys, you guys bring like Noom. Noom is part of the show. Like you need to go old school like you guys do i only do it because i saw you guys do it but weave it into the content mm-hmm. you can't break and go away for five minutes the, the reason to answer your question why does radio still have islands of commercials and yeah, they stop and and etc one of the reasons they do is kind of what we were talking about with dreger in terms of the format of let's say playoff hockey it's just always been that way and they haven't figured out a way inside the radio model to 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 figure out another way around that. I mean, they they're trying because they basically what they did is they eliminated all announcer talking. So they've tried to cut down the talk, but they keep the the five or six minutes of commercials, which is actually the talk that people don't like. Right. Bizarre. And you know that whole. 
as far as commercial islands go, too, I thought you were going there, Howard. Like, if I'm watching a game, right. I understand it's a live event. There's right. play-by-play. There's a stop in the action. Now, I ha- I understand why I have to sit through two or three minutes. I get it. Right. And even live radio like that, even like talk stations sometimes, although I believe that even on a talk station, the announcer should be weaving the commercials through the show like we do. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's time for that. But again, this overall thing that, oh, there's still as many people listening to the radio, bite me. No, there isn't. Right. Show, like, prove that to me. <laughs> okay. So I'm on the lineup of radioactive speakers. Now, I don't know if these are people talking about podcasts or not, but here are the speakers. Of course, Alan Cross will be there, Brad Phillips, Dave Farrow, Dave Charles. Right. You know, our, our friend Julie Adam, of course, she's brilliant. And uh, a bunch of other people, the same, a lot of the same folks. So I don't, and these are people talking about radio, and we're not in radio anymore. I get that. Oh, no, no, exactly. But again, like anything else, you know, podcasting has become, well, they still haven't figured it out, the radio stations, and I get that to a certain extent, too. Mm-hmm. But it, they're too impatient for the revenue return. I get that. But if you're talking about podcasting and revenue um, generation, then, yeah, we can sort of talk to that. Okay, so here we go. (laughs) Podcasting, facts, figures, and opinions. This is a jam-packed live panel of both Canadian and international leaders who will take you behind the curtain of the podcasting industry. If you're looking for smart insights about the future of audio, this is your session. And uh, it includes uh, nobody that I know. Uh, Steve Pratt is the moderator. I think we've heard of him. And uh, there you, you go. Uh, I kind of, I, I think we've even actually, from what I remember, we've been on a panel with him. You're thinking of Chris Pratt. No. Oh, I know who Chris, yeah, Chris Pratt. Uh, yeah. Anyway. I think you're thinking of Jack Spratt. Mm. <laughs> oh, fuck, you're just on fire, man. <laughs> Is it Pocahontas? <laughs> I know. I'm a cheese ball. I admit it. I'm a 66, almost 66-year-old man sitting in a basement in Brampton. I'm a cheese ball. I admit it. Mm. Well, I, I, I don't, by the way, I don't think cheese balls are on the menu tonight. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, you, know, again, you know, it's like the same old story. We get, we get mad that we're not invited, but we really don't want to be invited because then we'd have to go. Yeah. But there is that whole idea, and I think it's sort of unique to Canada. It's like you go along, the people involved sort of want to lay claim to it themselves, like they were the pioneers, or they're the, the, they were the one, first ones to think about it, or they're the ones that were on the cutting edge. So you don't want to bring in people that actually were, because it sort of takes the spotlight light off you. Maybe I'm overthinking this. No, you're but, right. It- it's not uh, convenient to their narrative. Like it's sort That's of it. Uh, right. It, 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 don't let the facts get in the way of a good story. Yeah. Yes. And there's several panels here that I'm looking at that are podcasts. You know, made in Canada. A tour of the homegrown podcast landscape. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Let's let's. I, who's on that one? Anybody? No, Can no, not us. Is it Mark <laughs> Weisblatt? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh God. Anyway, I know we just sound like bitter assholes but that you know that was one of the names we were throwing around for the name of this podcast is a bitter asshole podcast that's yeah. it that's us <laughs> like you know why because uh chorus wouldn't charge you five thousand dollars to use that name so we thought about it yeah. uh anyway uh good for everyone and congratulations to everybody who is doing everything everyone deserves everyone deserves to be happy. honored <laughs> 
<laughs> hey, isn't there isn't there an award show uh, associated with that whole thing? Oh, oh of part? course, Dad. You would have to Is bring up the Hall of Fame that we're not in. <laughs> but as we'll hear what tomorrow about, uh, morning, can you submit? No. No. Uh, I think it's on the record because I'm dropping episode 1021 tomorrow, which uh, two of you guys are on, Howard and Fred. The the CFNY retrospective drops tomorrow morning. Mm -hmm. And we talk about how Pete and Geets aren't in there. So, And and I think Fred says, you know, if Pete and Geets aren't in there, how are Humble and Fred going to get in there? It sounds like they have some work to do. No, that's not what I said. Oh, what did you say? I just said they should be recognized for... No, my thing is... Considering who's already in, why wouldn't they be in? You can't. It's tough to promote yourself. I mean, we do it as a joke, but nobody promotes themselves for an award. But I'm just saying. Okay, but do you agree that they should go in before you guys? Is that your opinion? Oh, I don't know. No, like not necessarily. But I mean, would we qualify? I just say because they were sort of the first sort of irreverent FM morning fucking show in Canada on Chum FM back in the early 70s, for Christ's sake. Right. That's all. They sort of, you know, were the first to do that. Here's another panel we're not on, yeah. from broadcast to podcast. This oh. world-class panel will explore the relationship between radio and podcasting from all angles and will share real-world best practices, case studies, and strategy. Moderator Steve Pratt, panelist, literally nobody. <laughs> like, they right now mm-hmm. on this website, they have no one listed for that panel, so they would actually prefer no one to Humble and Fred and Boone. Okay, that title, that one's you guys, because you're broadcasting to podcasting, so that's not even me. But uh, 100%, you guys would be the ideal panelists for that topic. Yeah. Like, in this country, there's no better better panelist for that topic than Humble and Fred. Okay, let's stop down here now, again. How's the saying go? Be careful what you ask for. (laughs) Oh, I thought you were going to say, let's stop down and be careful. Is this as compelling as us reading the menu? Oh, not nearly. (laughs) Not nearly. (laughs) At least, at least people could um, somewhat relate to a menu. It's food. <laughs> I just love the fact, Boone, that they literally have no panelist. And is this a mention? June? This is, is some. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's not good yeah. for us because we're busy. <laughs> Dan and I will go and represent. You guys should go. Yeah. Dan, here's one for you: news and fake news. The challenge of unbiased reporting. <laughs> fake news. No, fucking fake news. Crazy, uh, yeah. so, Fake news. The first time I heard that phrase was Norm MacDonald used it on Weekend Update on Saturday Night Live. He goes, and that's the fake news. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I tell you, it'll go down in history as one of the most brilliant strategies. I don't know. I know it wasn't Trump's idea, but it was a Mm -hmm. brilliant strategy, and I I will say that. Anything Um, you don't want to believe is fake news. Yeah, and what a great Um, Mm catch-all. Okay, so we're not... uh, We know nothing gets us as excited, Dan, as uh, being snubbed. So, uh, so once again, we've been snubbed. I know Steve Pratt. I I used to work with Steve Pratt a long time ago. Where do we know him from? Uh, From E-Now, when I worked on E-Now. Okay. Does he have a big pick or two? (laughs) (laughs) Does he have a big pick or two? fuck is wrong with I don't you? know. I don't know. Can Dan not just have a normal conversation? Oh, you know him. Is he part of the Big Pecker Club? Is, is that? Do you guys, are you guys part of the Big Big Pecker Brotherhood? Jesus. Sorry, poor Dan. 
Dan That's doesn't need. Dan's a go ahead broadcast professional. Steve Pratt. Tell yes. us about Steve. Pratt. No, I just I just I don't know a whole lot about him now. But he, but in in the day when I was working now, he's one of the the uh, producers uh, guys who did you know some reporting and stories and stuff way back. So I, I don't know what he's been up to lately, but I know he's out west. All right, I think, I think oh. Vancouver now. Uh, just before we go, speaking of peckers, <clears throat> we were. There's we? this uh, Hulu show called uh, Tommy and Pam, or Pam and Tommy. Yes. The Tommy, uh, Lee, and and it's all about the video, right? It's a fascinating story. But it's really bizarre. I think like in episode two, it sort of lost me because his pecker starts talking to him. Mm. Like you see it right on screen. He's got a boner. <laughs> And his dick is, like, swinging around, and it's talking to him. And I thought, you know, this is a bit much for me. Number because I'm uncomfortable. I was <laughs> sort of uncomfortable looking at it. I'm going to be honest. I was like, what? Hmm. But then his dick is talking to him. It wasn't the highbrow presentation Fred was expecting from... Uh... Exactly. But anyway, this if, if the story is accurate, it's a pretty interesting story about the early days of the internet. And... Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. If the story... what if, if it's accurate that his penis does speak to him, is that... <laughs> no, no. Uh, I, I got lost. I'm sorry. I apologize. How the tape yes. got in the hands of the guy and mm-hmm. it became like an internet smash and yeah, money yeah. involved and... It's a it's a pretty wild story because again it's the early days of the internet and uh, who vo- who voiced the pecker? I don't know that. Dan's like okay. I, I never got that audition. I could be the pecker. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I could. Dan, I have two questions. Um, yeah. Does does yours speak to you? And secondly, does it have a Mexican <laughs> accent? Hello, Dan. <laughs> hey, Danny. Is it time to take me out for a run? <laughs> <laughs> Hola, Dan. Mm-hmm. It's your pee-pee. Oh, yeah. uh, for you it's CFNY good. fans, what you're listening to is something by a group called King Missile. Uh, you guys remember this song? Detachable Penis. Oh, right. So I told them if it pops up to let me know. So just for context, for a long time in our friend group, uh, Lumby, Dan, a few other guys that... You know, in the audition voiceover world, I've, I've explained that when there's a running gag that Dan used to say, how did you get that or why did you get that audition? And the joke was, Dan, it's for a, a seven-year-old uh, Asian girl. Uh, you can't play that part. That was kind of the joke. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh-huh. so that's some context. And this has been going on for a long time. This is true. The other day I was out with Stan, taking him for a little walk around the block. <laughs> I almost took a picture of this. And it was something called Willy Wonka Auditions. And it was for kids aged 8 to 15 for some local production of Willy Wonka. And I almost took a picture of it and sent it to you and said, Hey, Dan, <laughs> you, should, you should see if there's room for an older fellow who can play a 15-year-old. Anyway. Yeah, there's got to be a lot of roles for distinguished elderly men like you, Dan. Hmm. Got to be. Mm. I don't even... Thank you for calling me a distinguished. You are distinguished. Yeah. yeah, you are. Elderly is. Uh, well, what are we? You're going to be turning 64 in another week. I think Sunday is Dan's birthday, everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you, well, elderly wouldn't be elderly like that always gives, you know, somebody with a cane and sort of hunched over. And that's what I think of when you say yeah. elderly. Well, when you're 64 on Sunday, the 27th, please uh, direct all your birthday wishes to Dan Duran uh, and remind him that he's 64 because he often pretends, oft pretends that he's not. He doesn't, I don't know what age I am. Am I 15? I've been brought up to date, obviously. Yeah. Well, happy birthday in advance. 
No, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Toronto right Mike. On, Danny. Toronto Mike, uh, next week on the Humble and Fred show. I understand you've got some audio. Yeah, so maybe when I get to that day of the week, I'll do this real quick. Monday, Kevin Donovan returns from the Toronto Star. Nice. Mm-hmm. Tuesday is, oh, this is going to be fun. Uh, the founder and lead singer and songwriter for Men Without Hats, Ivan Doroschuk. And, cool. Uh, really? Yeah, he wrote uh, Safety Dance. Of course. Now, I want to play a little clip regarding Wednesday's guest, and I'm glad Dan's still here because uh, Dan uh, connected me with, uh, I hope I said his name right, Amin Batia. Amin Batia. Amin Batia. I knew I'd butcher that. So let me play the clip that Amin shared with me, and it really will set up this conversation. Then you can speak to it. But here, let me play this. It's 8.25 in the morning. This is Humble and Fred, our show brought to you every day. Uh, Bake lovingly. And prepared fresh every day, uh, and of course produced by Dan Duran, and um, and with additional uh, production by, of course, the legendary Amin Batia. Mm-hmm. Give me, a, give me a little excellent. One, one of the guys uh, that uh, has contributed to this program from time to time. Uh, several of our writers here at the station, Jamie Watson and uh, Rob Baird and Karen uh, Fisher, but uh, Jamie and Amin have, are the people who do these little. Um, Humble and Fred jingles that you hear, you know, the porno for pyros or the um, the uh, that Peter, too, that Peter too. Gabriel mm-hmm, one. Mm-hmm. This is our latest oh, one. You can do it. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Kiss Humble and Fred. And uh, this is, in case you haven't heard Isn't this, that good? Now, this is a Mimbatia guy. You may have seen his name on a movie or a television. Uh, he, he, he scores. Did you want me to bring it down? Or, uh, yeah, no, that's fine. That was very cool, yeah. Yeah, um, so I don't know what that's what year that's from, but you can tell us who our guest Jesus. is on uh, Wednesday. Uh, well, it was a long time ago, and and he did something. Dan, we talked about this recently, and I don't know who who has the audio, but he did an answering machine thing. Did mm-hmm. you send that to me? I'll yes, try, I'll, I did. I'll, I'll try and find it. Yeah. It's really something else. But he's a very talented guy, and and that's what uh, is that, that was. It's funny because I sound uh, weird yeah. in that. Clip. Yeah. Different. That was your slacker mode. I think you were in slacker mode. You know, that whole, like, I'd rather be somewhere else kind of persona. Like, that was cool in the 90s. I guess. My delivery was definitely that of a young, in my early 30s guy. That wasn't your easy rock voice. That was (laughs) No, it wasn't. You weren't elderly then. No. (laughs) So that's that's Wednesday. And then just to wrap it up, Thursday, this is exciting because they're both coming on. Amy Skye and Mark Jordan. Oh, well, that'll be great. Husband and wife, right? Yeah. Uh, Mark Jordan, we've had him on a few times. Great guest. and But we've never had Amy on, although I've seen them work together. She's super talented, too. And a really nice person. Very, very nice person. Well, let's not screw that up. <laughs> <laughs> let's see if we can not screw that up. And Dan, maybe you can help me uh, in the next couple of days find... I can't come to the phone right now. Okay. Uh, I know we had, we've talked about it recently because we, we both are, have been fans of Amin Batia. Amin Batia. Since back in Calgary days. That's right. We That's go back a long time with him. I met him there, yeah. Yep. And uh, as I said in that clip, the guy has scored movies and television shows, and he's just one of those super talented people along the way. Um, much like the uh, like the group gathered here, Boone. Thanks for uh, everything and uh, the the best of. You know, we don't do best of Humble Friday anymore, do we? Not on Fridays, no. Um, hang around because we uh, I've got a couple things to run by y'all. 
Uh, Freddie, uh, look forward to seeing you and your lovely fart-free wife tonight. Uh, likewise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Dan, do you have any other suggestions uh, for what no. we might eat? <laughs> no, I think you... Uh, we covered it, didn't you? Yeah, I think, you, I think it's been uh, delightfully covered. And yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to... Uh, to hearing more about it. Oh, yeah. I can't wait till Monday when we talk about because we spent 15 minutes talking about what we were going to eat. How long will we talk about what we did eat? Uh, have a safe weekend, everyone. Peace uh, to all and to all a good night, Dan. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, Health Gauge, and GoDaddy. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran, and remember, Humble and Fred will return Monday with a new show and that extensive review of whatever Howard ate in excruciating detail. So like and subscribe. A place we saw the lights turn low, the jigsaw jazz in the get fresh flow, pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts, two turntables and a microphone, bottles and cans, just clap your hands, just clap your hands. Where's that?